that's not going to work today. You guys doing all right? All right. I know, like you guys on spring break and you just feel like, oh, just too relaxed or something. Let me welcome everybody joining us online. Drop us a note. Let us know where you're tuning in from. We're glad you guys are here too. You guys matter all over the United States, some across the world. So thanks for tuning in. And um, I'm glad to be in the house of God. Amen. There's nothing like it. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord, right? And it should be a thrill to go into the house of God. It should be a thrill to open up the word of God every single day. So if you got your Bibles, let me see them. All right, get yourself a Bible, make it yours, write in it, highlight it. Um, Pastor Cruz was here a couple weeks ago and he said, man, your people bring their Bibles. And I said, some of them. <laughs> We're going to get everybody to bring them, right, and carry them with you. Uh, bring your Bibles, get in it. Like I said, make it yours. There's something about this. And not, here's the truth. Not everybody has a love for this. But here's what I want you to do. If you, do, if you don't have a love for this, I want you to go to God and I want to say, God, would you give me a love for this? That I just have a passion to just pick it up and not just read it. Not just read it, because the Bible doesn't say read to show yourself approved. It says study to show yourself approved. So you got childlike faith, but you need adult theology. That means grow up, read your Bible, pray every day, go after God, let the Spirit lead your life, and uh, it will be more exciting than ever. And I've, I've attacked this before, but I listened to somebody the other day. They said it again, and I just laughed at them, and then I corrected them. They said Christianity is boring. I said, you're boring. Get out of my face. <laughs> you don't know what's going on. You don't live it right. If, it, if, if it's boring, you're not doing it right. And uh, some of you are like, well, how does it get exciting? Well, let me tell you, you go up to strangers and start telling them about Jesus, it'll get exciting. It will get very, very exciting. So I want you to turn in your Bible to the book of Acts. We've been in this series, long series, 23 weeks we've been here. Yeah, for some of you are like, oh, I can't do 23 weeks. Well, you just did. And uh, you're here, and we've got a few more weeks to get through it, and we'll be here as long as the Lord wants us to be here. And we're going to continue to plow through this, but one of the things that we've been doing is we're just reading through every verse. Every verse, because God has something in every verse. He saw fit and saw it important that every verse in his Bible should be there, and there's something in it. And you're like, well, what about the genealogies? So-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so Well, they're in there for a reason, because it shows the lineage of David. In the, and he's in the line of what? Jesus is in his line, right? So it's all there for a purpose. So get it, read it, and um, get it inside of you. Um, we've, we've got Easter coming up, as we said. Don't miss this. April 9th, April 7th, right, in a couple weeks is Good Friday service. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be packed. It's going to be amazing. Communion, don't miss it. Um, I love the, the word, but I also love the church. I love the church. There's a lot of people that pick on the church because it's full of people, and people mess up, and they do things, and it's challenging, but I don't like people to pick on the church, and I will, de I will defend her. I'm talking about Big C Church, right? This is our church. This is a special place. You guys are special people. I love our church. I love the diversity of our church. It's one of my favorite things about it. Uh, I love that you have some who've who've come from other countries, and some have born and raised here, right in South Florida, and, and some of you like mangoes, and some of you like tacos, and some of you like rice and beans, and some of you like hamburgers, 
And, and what I know about it is that God blows through all of that. He blows through skin color, through cultures, through likes of food, what things you like. If you like this music or that music or this style, or you like to walk or run or you like to sit on the couch, God blows through it all and brings all different types of people to come together and unifies them to become the church. And he uses the church to reach the world, right? Just a bunch of regular people to go out and reach the world. There's no plan B to reach the world. You know that, right? It's like, well, man, somebody else will do it. No, you need to do it. You need to do it. That's why we're speaking Jesus over our families. And as we were, we were talking about, some of the hardest places to minister is to your family. Anybody struggle with, with sharing Jesus with your family? Uh, maybe you don't, you, know, you don't have to worry about that. Sometimes that's hard. It's like, I'll travel to Dominican Republic and share, or I'll, I'll fly to China or Korea to share the gospel, but you won't walk down the door of your kid and say, get out here, I want to tell you about Jesus. And by the way, if you're a parent, you need to unpack every day what the world is putting into your kid. My wife and I spent 18 years, almost every day we were able to stop and unpack what the world put into our daughter. It was, it was a priority for us to say, come here, let me tell you, and how was your day? Fine. That's not going to cut it. No, 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 fine. I want to know what somebody said. I want to know what the kids were saying. I want to know what your, your teachers were saying, the administration. Tell me. We're going to get all of that nonsense out, and we're going to put the sense of the gospel of Jesus Christ in every single day. Every single You don't get a day off. You think the devil takes a day off? No, you don't get a day off. You're like, yeah, but it's hard. Well, ante up and kick in. Be a soldier of God for your family and minister to them in this next season. I love the adventure that God has people on. I love the adventure that God has this church on. Right? Florida is booming right now. And some of you are like, I hate that all these people are here. I was driving out uh, with, with Pastor Victor and a friend of ours who's in town yesterday. And I was looking at all the housing. And he said, man, look at all this housing. I said, the bigger question is where are they going to go to church? Life point, right? We're going to introduce Jesus to all these people. They don't know it yet. They don't know it yet, but they're about to get a big dose of Jesus, right? And I've met all people from all over the world, and I love it, and I love that uh, there's a blessedness, the Bible says, of dwelling together in unity, to coming to do what we do here, and it should be special. It should be special, and our, our love for Jesus and his love for us should mark us in a way that people, when we walk down the street, people are like, man, there's something different about you, and you say, you're absolutely right. My life is in God's hand. He has control, and he is using me. In Acts chapter 16, we see this on display. They've been in Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council, and they, we talked about doctrine last week and why doctrine is important because if you don't know what you believe, what? You'll believe anything, right? If you don't know what this says, then I can come up here, like I said last week, and tell you to turn to the book of Moses, and some of you start looking for it. Guess what? It ain't in there. The book of Moses, you need to learn your Bible, you need to read your Bible, you need to know these things. Well, Paul is on mission here, and he's done some work, and he's begun in, in chapter 15, his second missionary journey. I'm not going to show you a map today. I'm going to show you next week the map of his second missionary journey where we're going to begin to compare as he's wanting to go back and go through some of the churches where he established churches. It's important to, to do some ministry. And for people like Paul, who's an evangelist and an apostle and a, and a missionary and someone who is evangelizing like crazy and building churches, he wanted to go back and check on them. If you have somebody that you're sharing the gospel with and they're new in the faith, you should check on them. It's called discipleship, and we want them to be strong and to grow up. Eventually, they have to feed themselves. 
That's part of the process, but they need to be strengthened. Let's jump in here. Chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Paul came also to Derby and Lystra. Remember, he had been there before. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was Greek. Most people, if you've been in church, have heard of Timothy. It's a great name. Some of you have children named Timothy or Tim. Uh, it's a great Bible name. Paul some, saw something in this young man. He saw something that, that stood out. And it wasn't just Paul, it was other people. Verse 2 tells us that he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. So Paul's on ministry here, and he's looking. I'm always looking for young Timothys. I'm, I'm not old yet, but I'm not getting any younger. And I know that I have a certain amount of time, and we want to train these guys up, and we want to train them. And really, all of you, one of my chief responsibilities, whether you know this or not, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And if at any point in time that I think that I'm the man, that you should just get them here, and I'll lead them to Jesus, I'm going to do my best if you bring them. But I want you to lead people to Jesus. I want you to disciple people, because every one of you is an on-ramp to Jesus. Wouldn't it be weird if I was the only on-ramp to Jesus in, in this church? That's strange. It's not supposed to be that way. Every one of you, thousands of you, every week go out to, to reach into Homestead, into South Florida. I met somebody earlier who drives to Hialeah, right? Every day, right? He's in Hialeah as an on-ramp for Jesus. We don't need everybody standing here preaching the gospel. That's my job, my responsibility, my privilege um, the platform that God has given me, but he's given you a platform where you're at to share the love of Jesus, and it's important. And so we're training these people up. I'm training you guys up. I'm training myself up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. But Paul sees this young Timothy as a protege. says he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. Timothy was missing something. <laughs> he was missing something that was addressed in chapter 15. Because his father was Greek, and probably because of the influence of his father, he was uncircumcised. So it says that Paul took him, in verse 3, and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, I thought they dealt away with that. They said, we don't need to do that in chapter 15. There's a little bit of a thing here, and we know that that was somewhere around the time that Paul was writing to the church at Galatia, the Galatians. And in Galatians, if you know anything about the book, the Galatians were, were trying to go back to the law. They had been set free and, and from a system of, hey, you need to do this, and we need to do this, and we need to do this, right? And there are things that you should do out of the love of Jesus in your heart, but those things aren't salvific. They're not going to save you, right? And when you get to church, um, that's great, right? But you, there's plenty of people in here right now that probably don't know Jesus. You're probably sitting here, and you're like, I, I now, now you're scared, right? <laughs> you're like, well, I want to know Jesus. That's why I'm here. And I asked you this last week. Do you know him and does he know you? In Matthew chapter 7, he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Does he know you? Does he recognize you? When you get to the, to the gates and they ask the hypothetical situation, why should I let you into heaven, right? What are you going to say? Because I went to church every Sunday? Is that it? No, there's got to be more than that. There's going to be like, I know you, and you know me. That's why, and I have the privilege. And then he says, welcome, you've done well. well. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy master. That's a privilege that we'll talk about in just a second. So Paul's saying, hey, don't, into the Galatians, don't worry about, why are you doing that? You foolish Galatians, why would you go back to that system? And, but, but here, here, he goes back and actually circumcises Timothy. Well, what's happening here 
the one that he's writing to the Galatians is, is a situation that he was dealing with what they thought was a method that would justify them before the Lord. They thought their circumcision was going to save their souls, and it wasn't. So he was dealing with that. What he was dealing with here with Timothy was a question of not giving offense to people. Some of you are, have a real strong backbone about things, right? Some of you have been a little bit easier on things. I'm not talking about spiritual things. I'm just talking about things in life. Um, you know I like to talk about traffic. It's one of my weakest points. Um, that's where I fail very often. I don't, I don't have road rage. I don't yell at anybody. I don't do that. But I very often put up my hands like, why are you driving like that? You know, what, like what, what, what's happening here? And uh, it's not good. I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm getting better at it. The Lord is working on me. I'm not perfect. But how many of you, when, when there's a merge and the traffic is heavy and somebody wants to come in and they're right there with you, and you just, you're like, nope. How many? Come on, raise your hand if that's you. Raise your hand, that's you. Right? It happened, like, nope, nope. I start, in my mind, I'm like, they don't understand the zipper merge. It's like, like you tried to get two cars in between. It doesn't work that way. And my wife's like, why can't you just be nice? I'm like, because it's a principle. There's a principle behind this thing. You know? And I'm, I'm trying to be better, right? I'll tell you a quick story. We were in Tampa at a church conference, nonetheless, this weekend or this week. And, um, man, I was, we were on our way to church, people. Right? Bishop Dale Bronner is going to bring down the house. It's, it's going to be amazing. We stopped by Starbucks. I know that's the devil's coffee. Uh, but, you know, I needed some Starbucks. And I went in there, and it's crazy. Tampa people are crazy, by the way. They love Starbucks. So it's packed. And I'm in the parking lot, and it's jammed, like jammed. And this guy wheels around me in a nice, like, car, and he wheels around me, and I'm trying to get out, and he blocks the, the exit. And I'm like, okay. Then he proceeds to back up and almost pin me in and roll down the window and wave me around. Well, I can't go around because you've locked me in. So my natural, that's my go-to is, like, what are we doing here, bro? And so I, like, like, maneuver out. And as I'm getting ready to pass him, he rolls down his window, and it's a friend of mine. <laughs> like he's like you were about to go Miami on me bro <laughs> and I was like 305 baby <laughs> you're never gonna get it <laughs> and I saw him at the conference I was like man I'm sorry bro I don't, just a guy you know who needs Jesus um, but I don't know man we don't want to we want to make it in our lives we want to make it as easy as possible with our behavior for people to meet Jesus as easy as possible, how you walk, how you talk, and, you know, I wasn't doing it that day, and like I said, I'm not perfect, don't, don't claim to be, but I want that to happen when people see, see me in, in my work ethic. If you're not the best employee at your, at your job, you should be trying to be, right? You should outwork everybody else, and you should be on time, and, and you should maybe stay a little bit later and offer to help more than you do. That's what Christ-like behavior looks like, and so it's important that that happens. Now, verse 4 says, as they went on their way through the cities, they've delivered them for the observance of the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders. So remember, they're taking the information that they had decided at the Jerusalem Council in chapter 15, and they're giving it. They're spreading this around. It says, so the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in the numbers daily. I love that. Not they increased in numbers on Sunday, but they increased in the numbers daily, every day. That's you. You're the on-ramp, taking people 
to Jesus every single day. Now we're going to make a little bit of a shift here to something called the Macedonian call. It says that as they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go to Bithynia. Anybody want to get a shot at those names? They're killing me today. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So twice it's mentioned, the Holy Spirit, um, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and then, but the Spirit of, did not allow them. I love the sensitivity, the sensitivity of the apostles here and their willingness to shift off their own plans. How many of you are planning? You got plans? You got plans? Hey, after this, some of you got plans to go out to eat, and you got to be willing to, to shift. And now, I'm not talking about food here. Some of you have a mission that you're on, but you need a sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with planning. There's absolutely nothing wrong with planning, but you have to understand, as the, the old theologian said, we plan, God laughs, right? Because he has an ultimate plan for our lives. And if you think, I'm just going to do this, and I'm going to do this. Now, Paul was a, a very intelligent man, multilingual, multicultural. He understood a Pharisee of Pharisees, very brilliant, but he was not now, he was, he was living now under a different power. Not the power of his own understanding or his own thinking or his own wisdom. What he was living under is the power of the Holy Spirit. He was living a spirit-led life, which is what we should all be doing. I love the sensitivity of it. We need sensitivity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That means when you are heading this way and you you feel the prompting or the conviction or the nudge or the unction of the Holy Spirit to speak or be quiet or not go there or go over there or to share over here. When that happens, do it. Do it. And as you foster that in your life, it will grow. There's a closeness that happens, right? He's living on the inside of us. There's power. But there's a closeness and an understanding. I want to be so close to the Holy Spirit and to God that when he speaks, I don't even hesitate. I mean, I don't even hesitate, right? And sometimes that's to tell people the hard things, you know what I mean? It's not always like, I got a word from the Lord, everything's going to be great, you know? Sometimes say, hey, there's going to be a challenging thing. Now, if you want to speak for the Lord like that, you better be careful. You've heard me say it many times, the seven most dangerous words in Christianity, the Lord told me to tell you, right? How many of you have been told something by somebody that was nonsense in your life? I grew up in the church. I've heard people say things in my ear and and over my life that didn't make any sense, right? And I'm careful with that now. Um, but if the Lord gives you something and he tells you to say it, you better be right about it. But if he tells you to do it and you're certain about that, then you better say it. Then you better say it with confidence in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Verse 8 says, so passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, I just told you 80% of the people that you invite to church for, for Easter, or really probably any time, but certainly Easter, would come to church with you. A lot of people, we'll just say, a lot of people would say yes if you invite them. That's them saying, help us. The world doesn't know what they need. We know what they need. And you're sitting here with the greatest gift of all, the love of Jesus inside of you, and we're just sitting on it. Why do we do that? Like, what is that, that we're sitting here with the answer, the way, the truth, the life. We're sitting on it, and people are, they're literally just like, help us. Well, Paul was sensitive, 
and he got this vision and said this from Macedonia to help us. Now he's willing to shift, and it says, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately, now there's a little bit of a, a pronoun change here. Up until this point, the writer Luke has said they, 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 but in verse 10, we know through study that he says immediately we. So Luke actually jumps on the scene here. He joins the mission. He joins the, the vision to go out here, and it says we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I love this. Paul, this, I'm willing, okay, we're going to go. This move changes everything for the world. I and mean, there's other things that change, of course, the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all that, but, but his willingness to shift. Imagine if you were willing to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and he did something that would change your life and then you were obedient and changed somebody's life, who changed their whole family's life, who changed their boss's life, who changed, you don't know how far it goes. You don't know how far it goes. And sometimes we think that, you know, oh man, what I'm doing doesn't matter that much. No, it matters a whole lot. You matter. Everything you do matters. Everything you say matters. Where you go matters. Don't think you're not changing the world. Every breath that you have actually changes the world. Now, in the percentage and the whole scheme of things, yes, it's very little, but you are actually breathing out carbon dioxide into the air. You're changing the world. Now, if we talk about the spiritual things, who can know? Who can know what great things could happen if we walked in obedience? I'm so thankful for these gentlemen who, who carried the gospel forward under the unction of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to take another little shift here, and we're going to see something. We're going to see the, the birth of the church at Philippi, and we're not going to be able to get through it all today. There's three, three things that really happen, big things that happen, three giant moments that happen in this next series. And I'm going to get through two of them today, and we're going to set the tone next week for one of just an amazing, amazing story in the Bible. Verse 11 says, so setting sail from Troas, they made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and there to Philippi. That's what we're talking about which is the leading city in the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. So they're traveling to this place, and it's, something's going to happen, right? Something's going to happen. It says, on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. Now, this is great. Now, apparently, there weren't enough men, Jewish men, in the area to have a synagogue. I think it was, you needed 10, at least 10 men there to establish a synagogue, a place of prayer, a place of worship in Jewish culture. Apparently there weren't enough of those. And I, I, I love this, but I'm also challenged by the fact that there was this women's kind of Bible study going on. Right? Good for them. I wish, we have some, but I wish there were more men stepping up in, a, in our churches. And I know a lot of a lot, we have a lot of women here who've attended church for years and we're waiting for our husbands to come around. Listen, be faithful. You keep on going. You don't, you don't hold back one second. You keep going to your Bible studies. You keep praying. You keep reaching. You keep sharing. You keep serving your husband. And I'm believing with you that his heart is going to be changed in this next season. And he'll become a warrior for Jesus. And this is what I see a, a woman like this or women like this. It says they were at this place of prayer. And so Paul actually sits down and speaks to the women who had come together. And I'm also glad about this. I know you think that this is the only place that you can reach God. I'm so thankful this is not the only place. 
So God is with you always. His promise was, I'll never leave you or forsake you. So he's with you all of the time, every place, wherever you go. He's never left you. He's not going to start leaving you now. He's always with you. So there's always a place to pray. Where you are is the place to pray, right? That is the spot. So he sits down and says, one of the one who, who heard us was a woman named Lydia. This is one of the instances that happened. She was from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Man, I love that. I love that it's God. Do we have any worshipers in the house? Man, some of you are just worshipers. You don't care. You'll jump. You'll shout. You'll run around. You're like, it's like the alabaster box, you know, the story where you just break open my ointment. I don't care what you think about me if you think I'm crazy. I don't care. I do not care what you think about me. I'm a worshiper of God. Well, apparently that was this lady because she's described in Scripture as a worshiper of God. It says the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. I mean, we see this, this stress that Luke is writing here with, that there's an opening even to the people who believe. Even if you already believe, right, there's more. Even if you're already a follower of Jesus, there's more, right? And we've talked about this over and over again. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, he talks about Open the eyes of our heart, right? Open the eyes of our understanding. Enlarge our capacity to understand you more. Luke is stressing this, but he's stressing it under the salvation of God, right? The sovereignty of God. There's always more of him to be had. You don't want to just say, I believe in God. Over and over again, we run into people. It's like, I don't, I don't need to go to church. The world is my church. And I'm like, well, there's a problem. You know, and I'll just, I'll be dead honest with you as a pastor. Like, I, I, I watched my dad minister for years to people who said, ah, never go to church. You know what happened as soon as they got sick? They wanted him to pop over, sit at their side. And he did, because he's a shepherd. And I will, because I'm a shepherd and try to be the best one I can. My dad was a great shepherd, is a great shepherd. Hours, I wonder, like, where's dad? Oh, he's at the hospital again, you know? I'm like, I'm not bitter about it. I understand it completely. That was, that was part of his role. But, man, don't, don't, don't put me in that position. Right? Don't put your family in that position. Well, he prayed the deathbed prayer. I hope he got there. <laughs> don't make them wonder. Let them know beyond a shadow of a doubt, like I said earlier, that your behavior should scream out that I belong to God. I belong to He is mine. I'm a slave to Christ. Paul wrote. And, and the great thing is that we're going to believe, and you, you might be an okay man, but you're not a good man. You're not a good one. There's none good. No, not one. That's what the Bible says, right? We all have something inside of us that is, that is plagued. And anyway, even if you were a good man, you don't need to be a good man. You need to be a what? Godly man and a godly woman. That's what we need in our lives. And, and so we move from this belief to a confession to a life that belongs to the Lord heard Bishop Dale Bronner say this the other day, and I was like, man, that's so good. God doesn't want any more dead sacrifices. He wants living sacrifices. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and he said, present your body as a what? A living sacrifice. One who's, who's going about and just, let my, let my life be a, a drink offering poured out to you. That Just pour me out on the coals, and let my, my steam of my life give you glory. 
right? This is, this is something God wants a living sacrifice, and he wants to move us from what we think is good or, or who we are to enlarge our capacity to say, I'm not, you're, not good, you're not even okay anymore. You're not just good. You're, I'm going to make you godly. I'm going I'm to take you this place. And some of you are going like, well, how does that happen? Well, it doesn't happen by you. <laughs> it happens by him and closeness with him and, and sanctification and justification and redemption and hope and regeneration and all these church words that still mean a whole lot today they still mean something today it says after this lady was baptized verse 15 in her household as well she urged us saying if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord come to my house and stay and she prevailed on us oh, she was faithful and I love that she took it to the house I just asked you earlier how many struggle with that struggle with reaching in take the, take the gospel to your family take it to them it's not your it's not your job to, to decide if they're going to receive it or not you're you're a seed thrower seed throwers don't get all mad about it they just throw seed throw the gospel seed let let the lord do the work you're not the savior anyways quick shift that was the first scene the second scene is this it says as they were going in verse 16 to a place of prayer we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. This is, she could predict things. It goes on and says, and she brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Obviously, she was filled with some sort of demon that gave her some sort of, at least enough power to predict these things or fortune tellers. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you this. If you say, I got to get my cards read, you got crystals or anything like that, Throw that garbage in the trash right now in the name of Jesus. You don't need a card. You don't need somebody to tell anything about your life. If you want to hear something about you, read the word of God. God says everything you need to know about you right here. He'll tell you himself. He'll tell you himself. You don't need anybody else. She said uh, she followed Paul and us crying out these men are servants of the most high God who proclaim to you the way of salvation she's screaming this out in fact it says in 18 that she kept doing this for many days she's latched on to these gentlemen she's following them around just heralding just yelling out this and you know forget about the message for a second just anybody who's going to be standing next to me yelling for any length of time <laughs> we're going to have a problem it says that Paul became greatly annoyed, as would I. And he turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, Matt, Pastor Matt Chandler does a great breakdown of this. and I mean, he's more brilliant than I'll, than I'll ever be. And, I, and I'm just going to use a little bit of what he said here because I love it. And I'm going I'm to continue this thought process next week. Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke they did not connect with Lydia, the seller of purple, the same way they connected with the girl who was demon-possessed. Two different things, right? The first one, they walk up to the place of prayer, and they pull up a chair, and they sit down, and they say, what's up, ladies? How are you? I'm going to tell you a few things about Jesus, some things you need to know, and they connected with her on an intellectual level and a spiritual level and a level that she could understand. It says her heart was open and she received and was baptized and her family was baptized. They connected with her in a beautiful, beautiful way. That's not how they connected with this girl. She needed something 
different. She needed, she needed to be jarred, right, because it wasn't her. It said they spoke to the Spirit. They didn't speak to her. They spoke to the Spirit. So Paul didn't sit down and say, pull up a chair. Let me talk to you about the things of Jesus. He said, come out in the name of Jesus. And he dealt with her with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, some things need to be dealt with, with gentleness, right, and understanding and with knowledge Paul went to the temple it says he went to the synagogue and he reasoned with them he was brilliant he could talk with these he could I connect with you and I'll become all things to all people I'll connect with you on an intellectual level I'll cast the devil out of you right now in the name of Jesus and you right there I'll deal with you on this level so Paul was able to kind of navigate all of this stuff and what's happening here is something beautiful the same thing that I told you earlier that you're different you're different here we're all different in this place but God is going to take this crazy little girl, set free by the power of the Holy Spirit, and the street girl never would have connected with Lydia on her own, right? And he, and he puts them in together, and you know what they become? They become the church at Philippi. <laughs> when your freedom meets my freedom, and we both understand that we both need Jesus, and I don't care that you used to be on the street. And I don't care that you used to be in jail. And I don't care that you're a businessman. And I don't care if you're a fisherman. You love Jesus. I love Jesus. We can come together because blessed it is to dwell together in unity as the church. Can I, can I get somebody to just celebrate with me? The church. The church that God is building. We're not building this thing. Would you stand with me? We're not building this thing. I'm wasting my time if I try to build this. It's in vain, the scripture says. If anybody is building, it is the Lord. This is the Lord's house. He's building, he's building you. He's building me. He's building us up together. And he is unifying for this next season. He's unifying for this next season. Now, this isn't Philippi. This is homestead. This is homestead. And it's ours. And we're going to, I've told you this for a million times. Quit complaining about it. We're here. You're salt and light. Light, light doesn't complain about the darkness. Right? You ever light a candle and it was like, oh, it's dark. No, you just light it and guess what happens? It's not as dark as it was. Right? And you light ten candles and guess what? It's pretty bright in here. You're a candle. Light up the area that you can light up. Be the church. Get something inside of you that says, I care. I care. I care about my family. I care about my coworkers. They're, they're dying. They're, they're the Macedonian call. They're, they're saved. You don't, you don't need a vision. I'm giving you the vision. They're screaming out, help us. They don't know what they need. You know what they need. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. Can we pray together this morning? Would you bow your heads? lot to the table. And we've got a heart. And we've got a mind. And we've got a little bit of strength. God, we want to love you with all of that, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. We want to love you with it all. 
God, we are sorry for the things that we've held back from you. never left and you're changing us and you're making us like you that's the best thing for us the Holy Spirit I'm asking that you just invade the space of our life Lord I pray for, for just a, a, a crazy clarity because we are dealing with people don't know exactly what they need. You know exactly what they need. You are what they need. But I pray that you will give us a holy boldness to speak your truth in love. That we will light up the darkness with your love. That we will walk into rooms and atmospheres will change because we are filled with your power. Filled with your Holy Spirit. God, I thank you for every person in this room. It's not by accident that they're here. There's a lot happening in our world. They said, i got to be in church. It's not a perfect church. God, you know that about us. But, but you're perfect. And you've gathered us. And you're taking all of our little idiosyncrasies and crazy things. And you, you wipe them out. And you take all the, the cultural things. And you blow past it all. And you unify us to make us the church. The church. And you're using us. And it's humbling. It's humbling, God. Thank you for every person in this room. They matter. Let them, let them understand how much they matter, how their obedience matters, how their, their boldness matters, their speaking of truth matters, their living for you matters. Holy Spirit, run the show in our lives. Yes, that if there's anything in our hearts right now that should not be there, anything in our mind that should not be there, I pray that it would be gone in the name of Jesus. in our hearts, we confess with our mouth that you are Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving us. Now be the Lord of our lives. I want to live a spirit-led life. I want to be sensitive to what you're saying. I'll go. I'll go. If you tell me to sit, I'll sit. If you tell me to run, I'll run. If you tell me to speak to my coworker, I'll speak to him, Lord. My neighbor, my friends, my family. God, we just lift up families in this place difficult sometimes, God, but I pray that you will help us to reach in there and share your love with them. Have your way in our lives, not just today, but every day. We surrender to your will. And we pray all this in the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. We speak Jesus. Amen and amen. Can we put our hands together for the word of God?